Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But then he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came back and talked to him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, but now is found. Thank you, God, for the inspiration of this word. Amen. Poor boy, two slaws red, started down the road. 
started down the road. Bali had started down the road. One out in this world where God only knows. And that'll be the way to get along. Well, poor boys, all he had, family come in their land. together in prayer precious and loving God we thank you for all the ways that you reveal images of your realness that you reveal to us images of grace precious God the way that you reveal to us your wholeness and accepting us back the way that we are Precious God, today as we continue to look through these imageries of popular, popular culture, God, uh, just be with us. In your son's precious and loving name we pray. Amen. Popular culture. I always leave in the flaws, but it is a blessing to be able to sit down and speak with you today as we, as we look at this imagery of the, the, the son, the, the prodigal son the one who goes away and the one who comes back, the one who has these grandiose dreams and, and drifts away but comes back and is accepted by the Father and accepted back into his home wholly. Now, today I get to do that. We're continuing these conversations, these summer conversations using popular culture imagery within our sermon topics. So today, as we look at this scripture, 
I need to give you a, a challenge. If you are a big fan of the Apple TV uh, show Ted Lasso, you're going to get a lot of the references of this today. If you have watched all three seasons of the Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis uh, Ted Lasso television series, you're going to get all of these references. Uh, but today, as we do, if, if, if you haven't seen it, that there's still some applicable things that you'll get from this because we exist within a reality that we go on life journeys. We start somewhere, we develop passions and goals, and there's things that we hope for in our lives, and there's things that we desire within our being. And also, we are blessed within a reality that we serve a grace that is open and welcoming for us no matter what. So let's look at that today because I had a character in this show who I ran through an emotional gambit with. If you've watched the Ted Lasso, you know Coach Lasso, you know uh, the team owner, Rebecca, you know Coach Beard, we all know Roy Kent, we know all these characters, but then we get Nate Shelley. Now, Nate Shelley is, a, is this character that I have gone through this emotional gambit with. When we uh, originally are introduced to Nate Shelley, he is this adorable kit person. And a, uh, what a kit person is, is more or less like the, the locker room manager. He makes sure that everything's in place. He makes sure that the team's gear is cleaned. He makes sure that Everything is where it needs to be for when the team comes in and they have something that's that's waiting for them and in place and it's he has an important responsibility. He keeps the locker room in order. But you begin at the beginning to to see this passion that exists in in Nate Shelley that he wants to be a little bit more. He knows more. Uh, than he's given credit for. And within the structure that he exists in, and, and, and Ted Lasso begins to open these doors for him, you know, Nate Shelley is this individual, he's, he's just the kit person. He's just the locker room manager. But when we see Ted Lasso inter interact with him, He's one of the first people who calls him by his name. He's, he's one of the first people who interacts with Nathan Shelley in such a way that he begins to see that he does have an importance. And he wants to grow and experience that importance. Some things open up for him. You know, Coach Lasso begins to see just how much that Nate Shelley knows. He begins to see the passion and the understanding that exists in him to, um, uh, to actually be a viable person to give information to the coaching staff so much to the extent that he becomes an, a coach at AFC Richmond. 
and he begins to see his potential and he begins to see his opportunities. So we're going to stop right there for that as we look at the scripture today of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son is this, this younger being uh, that exists uh, on this farmland. He, there is an importance. There is, um, there's, uh, there's a history for him. There'll, there'll be an inheritance for him one day. And he begins to see a potential that he wants to go out and experience more. We see within the imagery of, of the prodigal son, this, this individual that begins to see a desire that exists outside of him. Uh, this younger son exists within this narrative that he's sort of the kid man. He's the younger son. He's the one that has responsibilities. He He is responsible to keep things going but he begins to want more and more. And I kind of see that in the development and the character development that exists in Nate, uh, Nate Shelley in uh, this TV show, the uh, Ted Lasso. Now within the show, uh, Nate wants to do more. He, he becomes very envious of, of what Ted Lasso has. And he begins to see within himself that he actually has uh, more potential, more knowledge, more know-how than Ted Lasso actually has. So we see the stirrings that starts to shift around within uh, Nate Shelley that he wants to do more. And he wants it so passionately and so vehemently that he leaves the nest. He goes away and he begins to work for West Ham and their manager, their owner, has this sort of rivalry with the owner of AFC Richmond. He's actually the the ex-husband of the owner of AX, A, AFC Richmond. And there's strategies that the Rupert, the, the owner of West Ham, wants to to have he wants to crush his his ex-wife's team and one of the ways of doing that he begins to find a way to draw Nate Shelley into his team so much to the extent that he sees the passion that exists in his being and he uses that to draw him away from this this AFC Richmond family and to give him everything that he's wanted and everything that he has desired. He names him the head coach of West Ham United. So he steps away. So we deal with this scenario in the second season of Ted Lasso where my favorite one of my favorite characters in the first season, Nate the Great, becomes the, the Wonderkin. I mean, he 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 even gets this um, he gets this nickname that feeds onto the reality that he deserves more, he desires more, and there's more for him that exists if he branches out. And he takes advantage of everything that he deserves. You know, it's where that he emotionally struggles in the first season. It's where 
the prodigal son emotionally struggles when he is at home. There's all these things that he wants. There's all these things that he deserves. And if he could just get his inheritance now, he can go out and he can experience it. He can dream it. He can be it. He can be a part of it. And within all those things, he can go out and he can be what he deserves to be. And we watch that growing through Nate Shelley. We watch that growing through this, this process that he's jealous of, of Ted Lasso. He's jealous of this person that was just given something and really didn't deserve it. And he wanted to go out and take what he deserved. That's what we see as we morph into the second season of Ted Lasso and we deal with the Wonder Kid. We deal with Nate the Great. And we see that in this character, uh, in the reality of the prodigal son. He steps out and there's so much that he wants. And we get to experience that, you know, Christ is, is not sharing a three-season-long story. Uh, we do get the narrative at, that at the very beginning of, of this time that this younger son goes away. This younger son goes away that he gets to experience the wholeness of everything that he wants. See, he doesn't waste all of his money in one night. He doesn't waste all of his inheritance in one moment. I mean, he goes out and days upon days wastes and squanders and 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 just uses up everything that he had we we see that we watch in this show there is such a radical difference between nathan shelley the kit man the locker room manager and nathan shelley the head coach of of West Ham United, there there is this radical change in him. I mean, we we literally uh, see him be vindictive in different times. We we see the separated frustration between Nate Shelley and Ted Lasso, and it it, it just this builds up this misunderstanding and this this anger that. I kind of shifted away from Nate Shelley being the person that I had uh, this loving compassion for in season one, and he, and he becomes this individual that I almost begin to despise in season two, and that's what we begin to see in the narrative of the prodigal son. We see this person who wants so much, and again, uh, the that Jesus isn't using three seasons to tell a story, but he does point out, he goes out and he uses up everything he has. He goes out to get what he deserves and enjoy everything that he deserves and to, and to just be fully in his desires. And we find him reach a place that he's broken. And we find him reach a place that he is so broken that the only thing that he knows is to go back home. 
the prodigal son uses everything up. He, he becomes this whole other individual that no longer has a place in his life. He becomes this individual that no longer has a place of comfort or care to turn to, to turn back to. And then in the most deepest broken place of his being, he begins to see and remember that even those the farmhands were cared for, even those who were the least at his father's farm were cared for. And he wants to go back even just as a servant so that he can be within that care. So, if you've watched all these seasons, if you've watched this show as much as I have, and I just, I was a, I am a huge Ted Lasso fan. I might watch it through again. But we get to begin to see in the third season that reality begin to take place with Nate Shelley. We begin to see that he begins to develop a relationship with an individual who truly sees him for who he really is. Because we see Nate Shelley even suffer. Even when he gets what he deserves and becomes the head coach of West Ham United, there's still this one person that he is passionately drawn to that still looks past his title, the head coach of a premier football team uh, that looks past this the this flashy uh, thing with the nice jackets and the beautiful haircut and and everything and she is able to still dig through and see the real person that Nate Shelley is and it's through his interactions with her this individual that becomes um, Nate's uh, girlfriend we began to see through her the importance of realizing our true identities. You know, uh, uh, Rupert Mannion, Mannion the, the owner of West Ham United, as, as Nathan is beginning to shift into realizing his true identity, uh, as who he really is, the pure, true person that he really is, there becomes this, this one last moment, this one last ploy. He's invited to go out, and he's invited to even go further and deeper to get what he deserves because of who he is. He, to be able to go out and be at the wild party with the club owner and to have all of his desires met. But then he hits this realization. That's not who he really is. And he needs to go back and be in his home. And he needs to go back and to be where he belongs within his own pure identity. So where this level of true acceptance comes in. And we begin to see the, as we hear in Christ's parable in the, in the prodigal son, we see the individual that 
has lived a life that he is living in the pig pen and stealing the corn, the feed from the pigs, just so that he has enough to eat. We we see Nate Shelley within the deepest mud pit of his being. We see Nate Shelley in this moment of deep, deep depression. And there's two people that can pull him out of it. And the only two people that can pull him out of it are the individuals that know who he truly is. One being this this dear young lady that he met at a restaurant that becomes his girlfriend pulls him through for him to see who he truly is. And the other being his father. And the other being Nate Shelley connecting to a passion within his father, a open, caring passion within his father that shows him that he truly is accepted for who he is. And his father utters these words, I only want to see you happy. Now, one of the things that doesn't exist in the parable, and I kind of wish it did, is I we see the, the prodigal son reach this moment that he understands where he has to go back to. We see this moment within the narrative of the prodigal son that he knows that his father has this loving compassion that that he has to go back to it. One of the things that I kind of wish existed in this parable is the is the shepherd. You know, Christ exists as the shepherd, and he's using this narrative as in this shepherding moment to to share with uh, the the individuals that are around him listening that yes, there are places of acceptance that no matter what journey you're on. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter the mistakes that you've made, there is a journey that you can go on that will bring you home. And a lot of that is the journey that's already gone through. So maybe the ones that have taught the message is the way that the father always treated the prodigal son. It was the one that was always the caregiver, always the provider, the one that the the son saw provide for all of those who were in service on his land. And that becomes the narrative of that he can go back home again. And we get that story in Nate Shelley. We get that story from his girlfriend saying, you need to go back. You need to go back. Just flat out telling him, you need to go back. We see that narrative in his father who finally says, I only want to see you happy. I only want to see you happy. And we get that narrative in the in the prodigal son account. We get that narrative that this father sees this son who has been gone for weeks upon weeks upon months upon months going on this journey, wasteful, losing in his inheritance, but still able to return home. And we get that narrative just as much as Nate's father hearing him play the violin 
and saying, I only want to see you happy. We get that narrative when the prodigal son returns home. We get that narrative when the prodigal son returns and far off in the distance, the father sees him and he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't call him out. He doesn't yell at him yell at him for losing his inheritance he doesn't do anything except he calls for a party he calls for a party a beautiful beautiful image of acceptance no matter what journey that we've gone on now as we've gone through these popular culture conversations throughout this summer I intentionally have added some social justice. I've intentionally added some uh, narratives on inclusion. And there's one great level of inclusion that we all need to work through. And it's one that I have worked through throughout my renewal leave. And it's one that I hope that we find ways to work through and to journey through and to get to on our own. And that is sometimes the forgiveness and the open accepting that needs to take place is within ourselves. And we need to have this place of forgiveness for ourselves so that we can return home. That we can allow ourselves to to take the chances to return home, to allow ourselves to go out, to find our identities, to find the wholeness in who we are. And the mistakes that we have made along the way are not these big giant walls that we cannot cross. They're not boundaries that are impenetrable, but they are just another journey that we can walk through and find that peace. We see that in Nate. Nate has to forgive himself so that he can go back home. Now, the one thing within this parable of the prodigal son has always been, and the one char character, the one identity that exists in this, that I've always had just some emotions for is the older brother because the older brother was always faithful the older brother was the one that didn't go away the older brother was the one that should have stomped his feet and stormed away and the older brother was the one that was treated the worst in this whole story because the younger brother didn't leave he didn't go and the father says You've always been here, but we need to bring him back and to show him that he's loved. And I've had a hard time with the older brother character until that I saw the this third season of the Ted Lasso because uh, Coach Beard, this faithful friend to Ted Lasso, this faithful companion on everything that Ted Lasso has done from college football to going on this weird journey of of being a football coach and at AFC Richmond. 
Coach Beard is the faithful friend that has always stuck by him. And there comes this point in this narrative that we see in the third season of Ted Lasso that begins to open some doors to a reality that, hey, the older brother probably has a story too. The older brother has had a journey as well. And it's it's not laid out in the parable, but Coach Beard tells this story to Nate the Great, Nate Shelley, of his journey. And he talked about the faithfulness and the grace showed to him by Ted Lasso. He talks about and he shares this deep story of forgiveness Forgiveness from Ted Lasso to him and in forgiveness that he needed to work through on his own so that he could forgive himself for this journey and accept Ted Lasso's forgiveness. And all of that is the story of Nate Shelley going through this journey and finding a place to forgive himself for the mistakes that he's made. And it's also the story of the prodigal son who goes on to this journey and needs to forgive himself so that he can go and receive wholly the grace that comes and is waiting for him by his father waiting with open arms to receive him and to take him in with no questioning. I want us to hold on to that. Because I know within me, there is so much that I have not forgiven myself for that makes me feel incomplete. I know that there's so many mistakes that I've done so far in the past that I relive them. And I can't forgive myself for those mistakes. And, you know, they're so far in the past that I don't even really need to get forgiveness for who those mistakes may have happened with because we have all grown through our stories and have gotten to where we are. We all exist in the moment of the presence. But I I can't forgive myself for that. I exist in these moments where I deal with the reality that it's not just the mistakes that I've made, but, you know, I don't feel worthy of being where I'm at. Uh, Nate Shelley has to deal with this reality of not feeling worthy to be where he's going. There's times that I don't feel worthy of having the position that I have as a United Methodist pastor. I don't feel worthy of being the person that sits in the corner office. And sometimes that's based on what I see as my gifts and my graces. And we'll talk about this soon. I, I, I want to use this narrative in our popular culture conversations as well. I, I see myself as the kit man. I, I see myself as a person that puts things where they need to be so that the team can go forward and do what they're supposed to do. I don't see myself at times as a head coach, but I know, as Bishop Minerva Kirkanio said on the day that I was ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church, go forth and serve boldly. I know that 
there is the confidences in me, even though that I don't always feel them, to go out and to be the leader and be the guide that points the way. I, I get that. I just don't always feel it. And sometimes I get stuck in the mud pits, just like Nate Shelley, just like the prodigal son. I get stuck in these places and I have to pull myself out and I have to go back home. And thankfully, and I get this imagery from Ted Lasso from this third season. Uh, thankfully, I have that older brother that exists in my life. And I, those of you that know me know I'm an only child, so it's symbolism. I have this, this mentoring presence in my life that I turn to and I say, hey, this is how I feel. And he calls me out on it. And he tells me how it should be. And even though at times I don't always believe or listen to him because the mud pits get back in the way, I am blessed with that guidance. And, and I am deeply moved by that guidance. And Perry Johnson, thank you for being that for me. I, um, so we have these older brothers that come in our lives and guide us through and gets us to where that we need to be. So, within this entire narrative, I want you to know that we can have forgiveness. We can find our wholeness, and we can go back home. We can make our mistakes. We can fumble the football. We can get a red card here or there. But it doesn't limit us the ability to go back home. So, Watch Ted Lasso, go through all the seasons, experience all the seasons, enjoy all the seasons, celebrate the doors that open because of uh, Nate's journey. And no, we start some places, but we don't stay there. We make mistakes, but they aren't held as our eternal identities. And there is a grace that's waking, waiting for us to welcome us home. And we have mentors waiting to tell us the story, how to get there. And we have an embodiment of grace that's waiting with open arms to receive us. Thank you for, for dealing with this conversation. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God is love. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us, and let's join together in our closing benediction. Gracious God, thank you for your unending grace and meeting us where we are and where we return. Amen.